Thank you for listening to our new sermon series, Don't Quit. In the midst of a changing world where darkness grows more each day, Jesus is the reason we do not give up or give in. Jesus is our victory. He's our God. Sing with me how great He's our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Bow your heads, close your eyes, take a moment of personal time right now. You could be seated if you want as well. I'm just going to take a moment here. Personal prayer. You may not have been able to do it this morning, but here's your opportunity right now to speak to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to do a work in your heart. Man, our God is great. Our God is good. And may that song never get old at this church. May it always be heralded that he's good great, greater than any God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great and how great is our God. Sing that one more time together. Ready, church? How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray that you bless the next few moments of our service. May you get all glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Children, you may be dismissed at this time. Thankful for those that uh, serve in our in our children's ministry. So thankful for Fernando and uh, the Spanish uh, Sunday school class that um, people have been that's been growing, and I'm thankful for uh, his ministry uh, to. To those that speak, those that speak Spanish, and I'm thankful for him and, and his ministry. Take your Bibles, please. Turn to Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians two, please. If you're going to use the uh, the Bible that is in the seat there, it's page 1,667. 1,667. As we sang that that last song, I'm glad sometimes that the Lord can. Hear what's going on in your heart, because I was having a hard time singing that, and uh, just the emotion of it. It's a great song, and um, sometimes inside you're just screaming unto the Lord like yes, and it doesn't always come out. And thankful for that. Second Thessalonians 2. We're going to begin reading in verse number 13. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 13. Thankful that you're here. It it means a great deal that uh, you would allow um, me to, to preach the Word of God to you. It's humbling, and I do not take the uh, responsibility lightly. I assure you that, and I just want to just humbly say thank you. Verse 13, 2 Thessalonians 2, it says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, 
brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto He called you by our gospel to obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether they be by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself, in God even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation or encouragement and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work, word, and work. Let's ask the Lord one more time to pray as I preached this morning on to stand firm in Christ. How you and I can stand firm in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. and Lord, we thank You that this is uh, Your letter to us. It's how we get to know You and we get to know Your heart. And Lord, what You desire for us. And Father, I ask that Lord, You would uh, help me as I desire to articulate, Lord, what you've placed on my heart this week, and uh, this this text isn't without its challenges, and uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us glean from it, and uh, Lord, may you get all the glory for everything that's said and done, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. And so how do you and I, how do we, how do we stand, how do we stand fast, or how do we stand firm in Christ? We have been looking at this uh, we, we've been looking at this text for uh, some time, and we've seen how the Antichrist, uh, how he's coming, and how he's going to deceive um, the entire world, and even how God is going to send a strong delusion during this time, and how the, the, the spirit that stirs in him, the spirit of Antichrist, how it's already working now. And uh, last week we looked at how uh, this, this when, when, when this spirit affects us, how there's how there's certain types of sins and things that uh, come out of our lives, and so when this, um, so, so so what then is the message to Christians? We've been kind of looking at the Antichrist, the effects of him, and what's going to go on. Well, there's a view in the world that looks at the world and looks at all of the events that goes on, and it says something like this: that it that it all it comes down to you, that you are the last line of defense, and you and you better not mess up. Uh, it places a huge burden on um, people's lives, and as if the preaching sometimes can say, "Hey, everything revolves around you. You know, you don't quit. If you quit, then you know everything's going to be the pro. It's going to get worse." And and so I don't want to put this undue burden or this intolerable burden upon your shoulders that you and I could never possibly bear. But this chapter ends not with an unbearable burden, but with a wonderful statement of the confidence that you and I can have in Almighty God. These verses give us the wisdom to discern the battle that we've described over the last several weeks. Now, you and I, we know that we're up against dark forces that are already at work in our world. I've spent a couple weeks preaching that. Now God wants us to know that we are to stand firm in the darkest days of our lives. And how you and I can stand firm in the darkest days of our lives. And so what does Paul do when he sees this secret power that we've looked at, this this demonic, satanic spirit and power that is 
evident in our world, that is evident in not only the lives of the lost, but can also creep into our lives and bring deception and different kinds of things. When, when this is at work in the world, what does he say? Well, verse 13 tells us, but. So that word but there is connected to all of the, the negativity that he just described of the world. He says, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. So he give thanks for the church. Remember, this is an epistle. This is a letter to the church there at Thessalonica. Okay? And so he is he's giving thanks for the church. Why? Because as Satan is working, as his power seems to be abounding, Jesus Christ is also at work. And how is Jesus working? How is His power being seen in the world in which we live today? Well, Matthew alludes to it in Matthew 16. And I say also, Jesus is speaking, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And notice what it says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so, um, so Paul is describing to this church of what the latter days are going to be like and certainly the tribulation period of when this Antichrist, an individual charged with satanic power arises and what it's going to look like and how this power is... There's, 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 there's a working even right now of it. The Spirit is working. But he says, you know what? I'm thankful for the church. And the reason why I'm thankful for the church is because God is also working. God is working in lives. God is amazingly you know, bringing relationships back together or starting them. And it's amazing what God can do. So what should you do when you see the world getting darker? Are you hearing me? What should you do when you see evil getting stronger? You've got to thank God for the church. You've got to thank God for, for, for the Word and for a band of brothers and a band of sisters where we can come and we can find encouragement. Value what Christ is doing in His people. Be in church. Ah, right, he's slapping us. No, 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 no. Be in church. Be in the place where when you're out and, you're dark, and it's dark and it's discouraging. You know, listen, have you ever just wanted to stay on the pillow, right? Come on, I mean, come on. Maybe you want to just stay on the pillow, stay under the covers. You're discouraged. Things are, you know, you want to, right? I do as well, okay? So if there's ever a Sunday that I'm not here, you know why. I just stayed under the covers, okay? No, but we don't do that. We, don't, we shouldn't do that. Instead, we ought, to, we, ought to, we ought to come and we ought to, we ought to be in church. We ought to get the encouragement that we need. And so Paul is saying, hey, the days, they're going to be dark. The power of Satan is going, to be, is going to be rampant. I don't know about you, but that is our day today. I mean, particularly he's talking about the tribulation period. But this spirit of Antichrist that worketh now, we're seeing it. We're seeing dark days. So guess what? Praise him for his church. Praise him for how he's working out of, the, out of this dark and difficult passage on the mystery of sin in the world, Paul launches into the most wonderful expression of thanksgiving for the church. Notice again in verse number 13 of our text here. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord. Because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit 
and belief of the truth. Whereunto He called you by our Gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when the days get dark, and they are, when you are discouraged, when you want to wave that white flag, when you feel like the enemy has fully surrounded you, and in your mind you think it would be easier to quit than to keep going, let me give you some encouragement here from this text. First of all, you need to, remi- you need to remember who you are in Christ. You and I, this morning, we're going to get a, get a reminder from this text of who we are in Jesus Christ. And first of all, you're loved. You're loved. It says, brethren, beloved of the Lord. You're loved. Take that in. Let's slow down a little bit. Take it in. You're loved by God. Oh, right. I already already know that. No, no, no. Remember it this morning. That you are loved by God. No matter how dark the world becomes around you. Understand the context with which Paul is now giving us these beautiful truths. No matter how dark it gets, God loves you. No matter how dark the world around you becomes, you are loved by God. It is one of the greatest of truths. This is, listen to me, this is more than pity. It is wonderful that God pities us. It is wonderful that God feels what we feel. That's wonderful. But no, 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 this is more than that. God, He loves us. This is more than just simple compassion. This is more than benevolence upon us. It is a wonderful truth that God's heart is moved by our situations. It's wonderful that He would do something about it. But this is more than compassion. This is the fact that God loves you. The quality of love that you and I experience in our life is determined by the capacity of the person with which you are loved by. Let me give you an example. My wife, has Sarah, has more of a capacity to love me than my son, Blake, who's five. I notice I did not give my wife's age. We're not going there, okay? You're welcome, babes. All right, but my wife, who's you know been around a li- just a little bit longer, maybe you add a one in front of that, 15. Actually, I don't think we'd ever want to go back to our teen years. 25. Okay, all right. She has more of a capacity, right, to love me than my five-year-old. My five-year-old is like, hey, just feed me, you know, clothe me. Hey, let's just go play baseball. You know, we'll be good to go. I love you, Dad. Except for when you're disciplining me, then I don't really love you, but then he really does love me, and he doesn't understand all that. Why? Because his capacity to love isn't the same. And so you and I, the, uh, the, the quality of the love experience is completely based on the capacity with which the person is loving you. So some people have the capacity to love more deeply than others. To be loved is good. To be loved deeply is a great blessing. Think about the capacity of Almighty God to love. Think about that. 
Try to take that in. God loves you. Loves you. You are the beloved of God. That's your position. Remind yourself of that this morning. Let me say secondly here, you were planned for in your salvation and sanctification. You were loved by God and you also were planned for in your salvation and sanctification. Look at verse number 13 again. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. Don't get caught up on this. Through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. And so as Paul considered the salvation of his brethren, Paul was aware completely of the sovereignty of God. From the beginning, God had chosen them for salvation long before man ever needed a Savior. And long before he ever realized of his lost condition, um, God had a plan and God had a means of salvation. Now the means of that salvation, of course, is belief of the truth. It's belief of the gospel. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment here. But prior to even the creation of man... God had ordained His Son before the foundation of the world, the Bible says, He was slain. God, before everything, said, you know what? I'm going to choose the way in which man can be saved. And man can be saved through the sanctification of the Spirit. That happens at salvation. Another theological message all in of itself. But it happens when we believe the truth. If you go to Ephesians 1, there's the same simple principles that Paul teaches there in Ephesians 1, that we Believe the gospel that has been preached unto us. And so prior to even creation, God said, hey, i got a plan for you. I'm going to allow my son to die on the cross. You're going to live in a fallen state because of sin, but I'm going to allow him to take care of that sin. The Lord made a way for humanity to be saved through Christ. It's amazing. God knew that we would all sin. God knew that we would all need a Savior. He knew that the only way of redemption was going to be through the sacrifice of His only begotten Son. Oh, He knew we were going to try to work to get there. He knew in the garden that Adam and Eve were going to sow fig leaves with themselves. They all of a sudden were going to get a conscience. All of a sudden they're like, oh, oh wow, we're naked. Who told them they were naked? It's called guilt. That sin had creeped in and they decided to put fig leaves. They were going to, they were going to use plants to cover themselves. And God says, no, 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 that'll never do. I gotta, I gotta slay an animal. I gotta, I gotta shed some blood. And then you got the, you got the, just all of the shedding of blood throughout the Old Testament, to the ultimate shedding of blood in Christ. When John said, "Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world," he knew that Christ was going to be the only way. And so before the foundation of the world, he chose that to be the way. Somewhere in eternity past. A sovereign God made provision for our salvation. He chose to make a way of reconciliation for you and for me. And Paul knew the difficulty that the church in Thessalonica was facing. They, uh, th- th- there was such false doctrine that was being spread around the, the second coming. Remember how he opens up the chapter? He says, listen, some of you, you're worried that you've already missed the resurrection. Okay, It's not happened yet. Whether by word or by deed, he talks about it at the beginning. 
So this false doctrine was kind of going uh, through the church. And so he's like, no, 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 let me, let me address that. There's going to be this great falling away first. This man of perdition, this man of sin is going to uh, be elevated. There's going to be sin just rampant in the world. And he understood the difficulties that these people faced. He knew the great opposition that there was going to be to their faith. I don't know about you, but it seems at times hard to live for Jesus today. Our culture is such an affront to everything that we want to do with, with right. And so Paul offers these words of comfort as he, as he prays the Lord for their sanctification. He knew the Lord would enable them to endure through the Spirit. He knew as the believers walked with the Lord that their faith would increase as they would be nurtured and matured in Christ. We too need to be thankful for the growth of one another. Paul is saying here in this text, he's like, but we are bound to give thanks. You and I, we ought to be thankful that there are brothers and sisters in Christ that are growing, that are nurturing. You guys, we ought to be sanctifying. We ought to become more like Christ each and every day. Continued sanctification, becoming like Christ is essential for the church to prosper. It's essential. So here's what I want to ask you here real quick this morning. How's your walk? You as an individual, you as a family, and then you, of course, as a collective church family or church body here at Redwood. Are you growing? Are you becoming more like Christ? Are you becoming what He desires for you to be in your life. Because listen, when you and I begin to remember what we are in Jesus Christ, that is going to help you be able to not quit. I know a lot of people that have quit over the years. Say, Psh, I'm done. I'm done with Christianity. It's easier to live for the devil. And there's actually some truth to that, right? It's easier just to say, oh, you know, I'm done. But it's not what is worth it. It's not is what you have been redeemed for. You and I have been redeemed for the sanctification process. And so as the world offers things that appeal to your flesh, that appeal to my flesh, we must continue to seek the Lord. We must continue to get in the Word of God and to get a closer relationship with Him. And so He saved us. He, he loves us. He prepared for your salvation. He gave you Christ. He prepared for your Christian walk by giving you the Spirit long before you were ever in existence. You were on God's mind. So we plan for you. Let me say this thirdly. You're called. You're called. Verse 14. Wherefore unto He called you by our Gospel. The Gospel is the good news that Jesus died and that He was the sacrifice for our sins and that He rose from the dead as He was buried in that grave for three days and He was raised to new life. God calls people through the Gospel. And that is why the Gospel must be a central focus of any church. Okay, He's giving praise to the church. He's saying, I, thank God for the fact that God loves you. Thank God that He planned for your salvation. Thank God that He planned for your sanctification. Okay, listen, that was all pre. God's like, hey, I love you. I'm going to give you Jesus. I'm going to uh, give you the whole, the, the plan is the Holy Spirit to sanctify you. Now, 
believe the gospel. I'm going to call you through the gospel. And that's why we preach the gospel every single week. As you believe the gospel, these gifts are yours. You will find that you are loved. You will find that you are chosen and saved and sanctified through the believing of the gospel. It is through the gospel that God lays hold of you. So you're called. But then also, your current position, if you are a believer, is you are glorified. You are glorified. We talked about that several weeks ago when we kind of started this process of this book. You're glorified. Whereunto, verse 14, He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The ultimate outcome of God's redeeming purpose is not only that you would see Christ's glory, but that Christ's glory would be in you. That it would be shining forth through your life. You will be glorified in Christ forever. And I'm thankful for the forever part. I'm thankful for the fact that we're going to spend eternity in heaven. And so your position in Christ is that you're loved. Your position is, is that God planned for you. God planned before the foundation of the world to send Jesus and to send the Spirit to sanctify us. And then He calls you to that reality through the Gospel, through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then God says, and once you've received the Gospel, then I'm going to glorify you. Now God gets all the glory, but you, Christ, is seen in you. And so that is who you are in Jesus Christ remember that. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, your days are going to be difficult. Your days are going to get dark. It's going to, you're going to want to quit. And so guess what? I'm going to remind you of who you are in Jesus. Because that comes to our second point here. Now stand firm in who you are in Christ. Stand firm in who you are in Christ. You're going to wonder if God loves you. Because Satan is really, really, really good at. He started in the garden. Yay, hath God said. And Adam and Eve are like, hmm, I wonder. Does does God really does God really mean it? Is God holding out on me? You know, I've got all of these trees, but it's amazing how Satan was able to get them to focus on the one they couldn't have. You ever been there? Man, he makes that thing we can't have so appetizing, right? Yea, hath God said. Does, you know, God doesn't really love you. God's trying to hide from you. So you and I, you're going to have to remember, and that's what I've tried to do this morning, and we're getting ready, I mean, literally, we're to, to, to wind up here, is that you're loved by God. That God planned for you to be redeemed. And so now stand in it, verse 15. Therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, you ought to ask yourself, what's it there for? Okay? Therefore, what Paul just got done saying those beautiful verses 13 and 14 therefore because you've been loved because god planned for you in your salvation and sanctification because he's glorifying you in christ stand fast stand firm and hold the traditions which you have been taught whereby word or our epistle before you take that text and begin to think of all of the traditions of the church ages Paul slaughters that stuff in his other churches, in his other epistles. 
Paul is not talking about all of the things that you know they used to do in the 1850s or whatever, anything like that. What Paul is saying to hold to this truth, hold to this doctrine, hold to the belief of what you have been taught. If you look at the massive truths that we've looked at over the last couple weeks, and you remove what we've learned this morning, what if Paul had said, Satan's a bad dude, and he's going to have his agent, the Antichrist, he's going to rise up, and he's going to wreak havoc on this earth? And oh, by the way, stand firm in that. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> Run and hide, please. Give me a rock. Not to throw at him for me to hide. But instead, what Paul does, he says, hey, I'm going to I'm going to thank God. Yeah, there's this evil power working, but you know what? There's also an amazing power working in the church. And oh, by the way, that's a greater power. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You're loved. Oh, God had you on mind from eternity past for a plan of salvation in the gospel. If the message was that the world is getting worse, that Satan is rampant, and godless people are going to be deceived. And the Antichrist is coming. And it's up to you. How many of you would sign up for that? Nope. Sometimes we do sign-up sheets and there's like a few names on it. Hey, there'd be no names on this sign-up sheet, okay? None. We'd feel completely hopeless. And maybe that's how you feel in your life. Maybe that's how you feel in your situations. Maybe you, you look at what you're up against and you feel completely at odds with what is being asked of you. Maybe you're surrounded by darkness. Maybe the battle that you face is so intense. Hear what I'm about to say. Drink in the truth of who you are in Christ. Nourish your souls here. Find strength for the battle of your reality. Receive what you need from Christ. Receive it. Verse 16 says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself, and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us an everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work, word and work. Paul is he's, he's praying here. And as Paul's praying, he's, he's also teaching. These two things kind of belong together. Since you're loved by God, since He saved you and sanctified you, since He's called you through the Gospel, come before Him with confidence. Come before Him with what you need and get what you need from Christ. Remember who you're coming to. And then pray. Remember the capacity of what you know about God and you come to Him. In a few moments, we're going to, we're going to partake of the, of the Lord's table. This is a great place for you to receive what you need from Christ. You literally could, if you wanted to, you literally could use the words of this text. You could pray this text, in a sense, back to the Lord. And may the Lord encourage your heart and may He encourage my heart. When you pray for comfort and strength, remember who you're asking. Christian, 
You're asking your heavenly Father. You're asking the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're asking the almighty sovereign God. This Lord is the one who gives us this eternal consolation or this this encouragement, this good hope. Now, how did He do that? How does God give us that? God gives us that on the cross and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you're, if you're struggling a little bit with comfort, I want, you to, I, want you to, I want you to look to the cross. I want, you to see, I want you to see Jesus hanging there on the cross. I want you to hear all of the voices of hell mocking Him. I want you to hear those that are, 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 are spitting at Him and beating Him. He is the man of sorrows. Jesus is acquainted with all grief. He knows what it is to suffer. And He knows what these dark days are like. Do you think you could get comfort from Christ? Look to the cross. Do you need strength? Well, lift up your eyes and envision the empty tomb where Jesus Christ endured. Where Jesus Christ, He's conquered where He has risen. Do you think that you can find strength in Jesus Christ from the fact that He is risen? This is where this everlasting consolation comes from. This is where this everlasting hope comes from. The Apostle Paul drives these Christians right back to their, right back to the Gospel. Right back to Christ. He's saying it's going to get dark. It's going to get heavy. But in Christ you can stand firm. So here's the message, my friends. You live in a dark world. I live in a dark world. You battle with intense, dark powers we've spent weeks looking at. But I want you to remember this. God loves you. God chose the plan of salvation for you. God chose that He would do that through sanctification of the Spirit. And then He calls you to the Gospel. And He says, now I'm going to glorify you. Now, in the light of that truth, stand firm. He doesn't invite you to do anything on your own. He says, you're struggling, Ryan? You're struggling, Sally? There's no Sally in here, so that works. Hey. Paul's like, hey, come with me. Hey, come with me. Let's go back to the cross. You'll find what you need to stand in that. Stand in Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed.